0: In this roadmap episode, I want to get into the topic of situational relationships, or as I've recently heard them called, situationships. I love that name. We're going to talk about the fact that, well, usually desire is what leads us to create quality time to create that relationship, right? To spend time with somebody. But this isn't always the case. So let's get into it i'm going to start with a quick introduction welcome to 12-week relationships this is your place for better relationships in weeks not years my name is pi as a roadmap episode it's just me and you we're gonna let dr glenn focus on his thing sessions with clients And, well, we're actually working on our online program as well. So that is in the works. And, by the way, if you'd like to sign up for the newsletter, these roadmap episodes are actually accompanying podcast episodes to the newsletter. You can sign up for that at 12weekrelationships.com. We promise, just like the podcast, they're designed to be informative, informational, stuff that you can bring into your daily life. And by no means will we ever waste your time or spam you. Okay. Let's go into situational relationships. I'm going to summarize a few of our past conversations, a few of our uh, roadmap episodes in recent past. We talked about desire. We kind of broke it down. We talked about the five R's of desire. And what you guys should remember is that desire kind of houses the emotional benefits that push you to want to spend time with somebody. They push you to either create a new relationship and to spend time with that person or to spend time with one of your existing relationships. That is desire and within it we had its components. We had regard, reward, relatability, reciprocation, and risk. Not too important that you remember all of those at this time, I just want you to focus in on kind of that desire, the perceived benefits. We also talked about the fact that you're going to meet thousands of people in your lifetime. We estimated, based on certain studies, 10,000 up to 100,000, but we know that from Dunbar's number, remember that British anthropologist, that you're only going to create relationships with a very small number of those people. In fact, of the thousands that you will meet, around 150 or so are going to become friendships, and maybe 5 to 15 are going to become your close-to kind of best relationships, your your inner circle. Numbers aren't too important. It's just important that you understand that you're going to meet lots and lots of people and a very small fraction, 1%, .1%, 0.1%, 0.01% are going to make it to this inner circle. So who you choose and who you spend time with, that matters. Now, going back to desire, the catalyst for kind of you meeting somebody from them going from an acquaintance to an actual friendship. The catalyst is desire. It's your desire to kind of spend time with the person, right? And it's because you perceive that it's gonna be worthwhile. You're perceiving these benefits that this is gonna be a relationship that you think at the time will be worth pursuing. We could be right in that assessment. We could be wrong in that assessment, but it doesn't matter. That desire is what actually pushes you to want to spend time with the person. Then we get to quality time. We haven't yet discussed sustainability. We kind of discussed you know, why some relationships end up being short-term. Uh, well, most of your relationships will end up being short-term because they're going to lack sustainability. It's that long-term driving factor, right? And if you remember, sustainability is the perceived emotional costs. Well, they're really your actual emotional costs, but they are your costs, meaning that the way that you and I perceive emotional costs in relationship is going to be different. But we summarized it in saying that if something needs to be, well, if you want a relationship to be long-term, then your costs long-term, the cost of maintaining a relationship, have to be consistently less than the perceived benefit. Meaning if you're always running at this deficit, it's just not sustainable, right? That's where we got to. We know that a relationship lacks sustainability when consistently over time, it requires more effort than it's really providing to us in return. And we're not going to say it, you know, in these types of terms, we're not going to describe it this way. We're simply going to lose interest. We're going to lose desire for the relationship and we're going to let it fade and kind of go into the background of our lives. Okay. Knowing this, going back now to that piece of desire, that piece of, you know, this initial want while well, you're perceiving benefits in a relationship. So you want to spend time with the person and it's either going to be a new relationship or it's going to be an existing relationship. But you have to want the relationship. Desire is important at any stage of the relationship. And it applies just as much to a platonic relationship as it does a romantic one. I want you to hold on to this piece because this is where I'm about to say that <laughs> I almost feel like I'm writing a manual on English grammar because we have an exception and there's more exceptions to English and English grammar than any other language that I know of. Although maybe Finnish might be the one that has more, but who knows? I'm going to give an exception. Desire is not the only reason that you might spend time with somebody. Let me explain. So there are plenty of cases where quality time, meaning that you're spending time with somebody, quality time is actually manufactured kind of artificially by circumstance rather than desire. And you can probably think of a lot of these relationships in your life. These are, well, these are the relationships that you might create with people at work, for example, or at school, or maybe at church, at the gym you know, on a sports team, whatever it might be. What's happening in these instances is it's not that you necessarily have the desire to create a relationship. It's because you're all placed in a circumstance where everyone is together on a regular basis. So the circumstance is what's creating the quality time behind the relationship. And this is what we would basically get to calling or the beginning stages of a situational relationship. So we call them situational relationships. And I recently read something. I think there's other terms for this too, but one of the best terms that I saw was a situationship. And I was like, that's genius. How come I didn't think of this? Just combine the two words. So situationships are basically your relationships that you are you get an abundant amount of quality time with these people, but it's not because you actually wanted the relationship or want to you know create something deeper it's because of circumstance so let's think on that for a second if we were to look at the stupid simple relationship method the ssrm uh, from the diagram remember the ssrm the first piece is desire and it points to quality time the second piece quality time points to sustainability and the third piece sustainability points back to desire and it feeds itself in this circle looks like a recycle logo uh, with these three components inside in case you're listening and not watching on youtube where we're showing the diagram but a situational relationship would look like a relationship like a like an ssrm that basically has quality time but sustainability is not a factor because circumstance is what's creating the quality time and desire is not a factor because again Circumstance is what's creating the time with the person. So we basically have a kind of empty diagram, but with quality time being filled by that situation. So let's go into those just a bit more. In these instances, oftentimes the circumstance can actually lead to a more significant relationship, right? Let's say that, you know, it's somebody at the gym. Well, you guys are always there for open court. And after a few conversations, you exchange phone numbers and then you meet for lunch just to kind of chat and get to know each other a bit better. And maybe you kind of realize that, hey, this is somebody that I think is worth becoming like a friend. That's usually because in those early conversations, like back on the basketball court, there may have been things that were said or done that made you sort of perceive that. I might have certain things in common with this person. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe he also, it, it seems like what he mentioned, he, he has a, a good job and and he's ambitious like me and, and, uh, you know, he also has kids. And, and so let's get to know each other a bit more. And those on-court conversations then lead to off-court conversations. And, and the relationship begins to progress outside of the situation. Now this is where you begin to fill in the gaps. So we would start filling in desire and we start, seeing if it's actually sustainable. So this often happens where a situational relationship turns into an actual friendship because we engage based on the situation and then we sort of pull the relationship out and it becomes a regular thing, right? You begin to have desire and then, you know, we have to see whether it's going to be sustainable or not. But for each of those times where you actually pull the relationship out of the situation, there's the many more times that you don't, where you just allow the relationship to exist, you know, at church, at your job, at school. Let's go to church, for example. These would be the friends that you gather together on a Sunday and and while you're at church, you enjoy spending time with. When you go to a church activity, you would go and, and sit down with them and you'd have conversations with them and and you have fun. But you're not necessarily staying in touch during the week. You're not necessarily meeting and you know engaging with them outside of those activities. So that is a situational relationship. I'm sure you can think of these same people at, at your work or at your school. This is honestly going to be the majority of situational relationships. They're going to be relationships that are confined to the circumstance that they were created within. What's important to understand, the first thing that I want to say is that just because it's a situational relationship, just because it's confined to that circumstance doesn't make them, you know, relationships that aren't valuable because within that circumstance, within that place and environment, it does have value. This is someone that you can connect with on that level. But even in connecting with that person repeatedly, you might kind of realize, especially when you're looking through it, through the lens of the SSRM, you begin to kind of see, okay, yeah, I enjoy it when I'm at work. I like grabbing lunch with them. I like getting coffee and chatting, you know, by the water cooler, that kind of stuff. But I don't really want to spend time with them outside of work that's simply because there's no desire there there's no desire for anything more because those interactions that you've had haven't convinced you that you know something more is worth the effort worth the time worth the energy the perceived benefit essentially isn't high enough again Could you be right? Could you be wrong? Sure. Like that really isn't part of the conversation, but I would venture to bet that if you're spending time with this person, you know, consistently at work or at church or at these different places, if you're spending time with them consistently and still arriving at that conclusion, I would guess that the majority of you are right. You know, you're, you're right that it's enjoyable in that circumstance, but there isn't anything more. And that's important to understand because when the circumstance changes, The relationship naturally kind of fades away and it goes back to, well, from friendship back to maybe acquaintance over time. And the reason is, is is that desire was no longer there, right? So let's say that you switch jobs. Let's say that you start working at a different place. Well, the underlying circumstance that was bringing you together to fuel that quality time has changed. It's no longer there. And you never develop the desire for anything more. So maybe you text now and then for the first few months. Maybe even grab a lunch or two. And then slowly, you just kind of stop staying in touch, right? Now, these examples so far have been kind of platonic examples. So we've talked about the church friends, the gym friends, the sports teams, the you know work friends, school friends, that kind of stuff. But situational relationships are also very applicable to romance, Into romantic versions of a situationship. In fact, there is another very common term that I would place into this category of romantic situational relationships that you may have heard called a booty call. I mean, you can call it whatever you want, right? Friends with benefits, booty call, whatever it is. That is essentially a romantic situational relationship. See, the two people, you're in, you're Both in similar situations where you're single, you have this need for intimacy, for romance, whatever it might be, and you don't necessarily want anything more. The desire isn't there, but because of the situation, you're willing to have some sort of relationship until those situations change. For one person, it might be moving to a new location. And then you're going to find someone else that's local, find someone else. And I don't want to get into the right or wrong of any of this kind of stuff. The moral debate, I think, is kind of pointless. We all have our own lives, we all have our own decisions, our own opinions, all of that. What I want you to understand is what's happening. I want to, like I said, When you think of 12-week relationships, and I've said this on the podcast, I've said this on on our shorts, you know, each of us are artists in the sense that we're painting our own picture of what we think a healthy relationship should look like, right? So relationship advice is usually kind of myopic. It's very short-sighted because we all present each other with these pictures. Oh, this is what your relationship should look like. And it's actually a painting. It's your vision of relationships. And your vision isn't wrong. It's yours. It's yours just like an artist's painting would be theirs, right? This often happens too with experts and professionals. Instead of, you know, they're, they're despite the training, despite the guidance, despite everything that they have, they often fall back on these pictures of what they think should be the case based on their own experiences. So their advice can also tend to be anecdotal and based on personal experience. Not always the case, just saying that this can happen regardless of who you are and what your training is. So when you think of us, I want you to always think of Dr. Glenn and I. I want you to think of the 12-week relationship platform. Everybody that is in the future going to be certified in CVFT. Think of us as, well, if anything, eye doctors. We're just trying to improve your vision. We're trying to help you to be able to see more clearly through your own eyes. But never are we trying to be artists that present to you this is what your picture should look like. So that's where the moral opinions and and kind of stuff to me falls in play. That's me presenting to you what your version of this picture should look like. And I don't want to do that. But I do want to spell out to you that a romantic situational relationship is exactly the same thing as any other situationship, right? It's an instance where two people have a need. They don't want anything more. And so they're agreeing to fulfill a particular need until their situations change. So when they move, naturally, you kind of fall out of touch. And, you know, when one person gets into a long-term romantic relationship where they're serious about it, then they no longer want the booty call. And sometimes the other person just kind of left hanging or figure it out on your own, whatever it might be. But how is that any different than a situational relationship with somebody at work? Well, aside from the sex part, you're not having sex with the friends that you have at work. That's, that's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is the booty call was fulfilling an underlying need for both people, right? At work, the situationship is doing the exact same thing. I mean, you still have the need to be able to relate, to be able to share experiences, to you know, have someone to talk to. So that's the situationship. That's your work friend. At church, it's the exact same. When you go to the gym, it's the same. Somebody to work out with, companionship, someone to have a conversation with. In some cases, desire will naturally form, and when it does, you'll pull the relationship out of the circumstance, out of the situation, and it'll become its own significant relationship in your life. And then it becomes, well, is it going to be sustainable or not? But in each of these cases, circumstance is manufacturing the need for the relationship, is manufacturing the quality time. So at the beginning of a situational relationship, we go back to that SSRM and you see desire is empty and sustainability is empty as well, because these are non-factors until it's no longer a situationship. And by the way, this can happen for booty calls and friends with benefits and all that kind of, you hear this stuff all the time, right? Where they start kind of being intimate and, and sharing more with each other. And then an actual genuine relationship does form and it becomes far more than that. It ends up oftentimes being messy too because sometimes it happens for just one, sometimes it happens for both, but when it happens for just one, it can be pretty brutal. But anyway, I hope that this sheds a bit more light on not only the topic of these situational relationships, but also on the SSRM in understanding kind of these different needs that bring us to spending time with somebody else. You know, in, in most cases, when we willingly choose a relationship, it's based on that desire. It's desire what drives us to want to spend time with somebody to create a new relationship or spend time with an existing one. But it can also just be a particular circumstance that leads you to spend time with somebody. And in those cases, when that circumstance changes, I don't want you to I think we have a tendency to get down on ourselves like why aren't we in touch anymore is it me is it did I do something and or you know is it just long distance and we come up with all these explanations when in reality it's it's pretty simple it was a relationship based on a circumstance and once that changed there wasn't enough need enough desire on both sides to make it go any further again this doesn't mean that it wasn't valuable that it wasn't worth having because it was And it still can be kind of part of your friendships, right? It kind of extends to maybe the outside circle. Maybe you don't stay in touch anymore, but maybe in the future when you go back to that school or when you go back to that work or maybe you find each other at a different place, whatever it might be, then the relationship might start back up again in that circumstance. And you give it another shot at that point to see, is this something that we want to take out of the situation or is it just best to fit within? But just because that relationship stays within a situation doesn't make it not worth having because it still is enjoyable. All right. So that's it for this episode. I hope you all enjoyed. Now, if you'd like to subscribe to the newsletter, you can do so at 12weekrelationships.com. Once again, just like our podcast, just like everything that we do, we'll make sure that each of the messages that we send out, they're going to be informative, insightful things that you can bring into your daily life. We promise not to waste your time or spam you. Second, well, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast. I said that weird, but you know what I'm saying. And uh, in doing so, one huge help to us is to actually jump onto the iTunes store and to leave a review for the podcast. Leaving a five-star review uh, with a comment. Not only do we actually read and enjoy every one of them, but it helps others to know that what we're doing is helpful and benefiting others. So it helps us to grow the platform. Last, if you would like coaching, you can join the waitlist at 12 as well. And we will also be doing online coaching soon, which is actually what Dr. Glenn is working on right now, our online coaching programs, which I have to go help him with too. But as soon as that's available, we'll be sure to let you all know. And if you're already in the newsletter, we'll notify everybody there as well when we actually open enrollment because yeah, Dr. Glenn's waitlist is, is big. And, uh, We couldn't be more pleased and and fortunate, and we're very grateful to each of you for that. So thank you so much for the support. In the meantime, well, I'll see you guys back here next week. Oh, and if you guys want to reach out to us, find us on Instagram. You can DM us. You can also check out our shorts on Instagram and TikTok. And that's it. So peace. See you next time.